that this thing of burning the parliament is not unconnected to the counter-revolution that was waged in July last year. Surely where you are, you don't know how to enter parliament and what are the key points, where to burn, which floor, which door. On the 2nd of January, the New Year decided to kick off to a raging start. Unfortunately, unlike our matric students over the December break, the New Year raged quite literally. As on the first Sunday of the New Year, reports began to circle that South Africa's parliament was on fire. That right now, parliament is on fire. Right now, the National Assembly itself is on fire can confirm that. A man named Zandile Christmas Mafe, aged 49, was arrested near Parliament on the afternoon of the 2nd, the very same Sunday that the fire had begun to rage. Now, five days later, it's Mafe's fate and the true origin of the fire that has South Africans captivated. In today's episode of Boots on the Ground, behind South Africa's national headlines, we're going to consider the Parliament fire, which held the country's attention for the first week of 2022. What does a raging fire at two separate ends of the strategic national key point mean? Is Mafia responsible? How could it be possible for some average Joe to just slip into Parliament undetected and cause that much destruction? And of course... Could it be linked to some other strange happenings in the country? For this week's episode of Boots on the Ground behind South Africa's national headlines, I am your host, Paige Muller. Notice firstly that the deeper we climb into this tale, the more puzzling it becomes. In fact, I'd like to warn all of our listeners right now that you're more likely to come out of this episode with more questions than you had going in. The reason for this is that the answers to our questions have not yet been established or proven. After all, the building was only really released to investigators last Thursday. As a result, once we've established the initial facts, the things that can be proven and that no one can argue, you might start to notice the appearance of words like alleged or suspected or even believed. Keep an eye out for these words and you'll never be confused by what is fact and what is just conjecture. Now that that's out of the way, let's make like this fire and rage on, shall we? So as we mentioned in the beginning, a fire broke out in South Africa's National Parliament building in Cape Town. It happened on the morning of Sunday the 2nd of January. No one knows how long it had been ablaze before it was actually reported to firefighters at three minutes past five in the morning. But within six minutes, Ruland Street Fire was on the scene and after assessing the fire, called out for more resources. That's when parliamentary spokesperson Moloto Motapo sent out this message. The presiding officers of parliament wish to confirm the breakout of a fire on the parliamentary precinct this morning. The cause of the fire has not yet been established and the investigators are 
uh, are busy with the investigation to determine the cause of uh, this incident. The fire has affected both the old assembly wing and the national assembly wing of the buildings of parliament, which house the chambers of the national assembly and the national council of provinces. The fire has been contained in the old wing. Firefighters are currently trying to control the fire in the new wing where the fire has actually affected the national assembly chamber. And no person has uh, thankfully been injured. And the presiding officers of parliament are really distressed by, the, uh, by this incident and the extent of the damage caused thus far to the precincts of the seat of the national legislature. Uh, they have urged all relevant authorities to leave no stone unturned in establishing the cause of the fire. The Cape Town firefighting crews of Ruland Street, Seapoint, Salt River, Brooklyn, Goodwood and Milnerton were all on the scene. A report from those initial teams confirmed that by 7.45am the fire had reached the third floor, while initial reports indicated that it had started in the office space of the building. By this stage many South Africans had woken up and were ready to enjoy their Sunday, but instead they watched on in amazed horror as the fire climbed and grew. Here is Public Works Minister Patricia DeLille, one of the first of South Africa's politicians to be on the scene. She describes her assessment of the damage. We were just at the back of the building now on the garden side where the fire is still, uh, still burning. And you can definitely see the damage to the restaurant, to the speaker's offices, National Assembly. But the fire team has now gone around the building and they are fighting the fire from that side. During that same briefing, we heard that the ruling party section of parliament had been one of those most heavily impacted. We are also briefing the chief whip of the majority party because the area where the fire spread through is where the ANC members of parliament is having their offices and those offices unfortunately at this stage looks as if it will not be usable. Somewhat surprisingly to all of us, by the time President Ramaphosa had arrived at Parliament just that afternoon to address the media, the Hawks had already taken a 49-year-old man who was allegedly found in proximity to the building into custody in connection with the fire and had confirmed that he was now a suspect. This is a national key asset and of course we are still going to go into what caused the fire and the fire having started in the old assembly, how it then moved to the National Assembly, is something that will still be investigated. I believe somebody <coughs> is being held right now and they are being questioned. But we need to go a lot deeper, a lot deeper uh, into how this type of event can take place and what measures we will need to take going forward. We would later discover that that man was Ndile Christmas Mafe and that he would be charged. By 7am on Monday morning, the country's hopes were high as firefighters said that they were attending to some hotspots on the fourth floor, but that the rest of the building was now under control. They had only two fire engines and ten firefighters still on scene.
but they also reported that by this stage on Monday, the interior of the National Assembly was extensively destroyed by fire, water, heat and smoke. All seemed to be looking up. That was until around 4.30 on Monday afternoon when pictures began to circulate again of smoke wafting up from the building. By the next morning, Motapo told us firefighters had been working throughout the night for two full days. Parliament confirms that the fire flared up that engulfed the roof of the National Assembly building in the afternoon yesterday has now been contained. Firefighters put up a courageous and brave fight for hours last night and were able to put down the fire by midnight. Reduction in wind speed played a significant role, assisting the intervention efforts of firefighters. Consequently, there has been withdrawal of the reinforcement, with only about six of the ten trucks now remaining on the scene. There is an expectation that further trucks will be withdrawn during the course of the morning. Firefighters remain on site for thorough inspection of the various parts of the building. Further damage has been caused with more floors of the building, which houses offices of the members of parliament and support staff being completely gutted. The roof of the building around where the flare-up occurred is now completely destroyed. By Wednesday, we heard that the fire was all but contained and that a few emergency personnel remained on hand to monitor the situation. Finally, by Thursday morning, Motapo said the situation was now firmly in hand. Parliament can, can now confirm that uh, the various teams of the Cape Town Fire and Rescue Service Department who worked tirelessly to contain the blaze have now completely withdrawn from the parliamentary precinct. Since the fire flare-up was contained during the morning of Tuesday, the firefighters had remained on site until yesterday evening, monitoring the situation and combing the inside of the building for any potential flare-ups. Over 71 hours of a courageous and brave battle to contain the fire by over 300 men and women, 60 firefighters' appliances, as well as two specialized aerial equipments were deployed during the three-day battle with the fire. In the same message, Motapa also mentioned that the firefighters were now handing the case over to the Hawks for further inquiry. The fire department has handed the affected buildings to the Directorate for Priority Crime Investigation, also known as the Hawks, to investigate the circumstances around the unfortunate and devastating fire incident that started on Sunday. The Engineers from the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure are also on site to determine if the affected buildings are safe for access by the Hawks. The investigators will gain access to the buildings once they receive confirmation from the multidisciplinary team of engineers, which include structural, electrical and forensic experts. Despite the fact that the investigative bodies were only officially cleared to enter the building on the 6th, you might recall that Mafe had already been taken into custody on the 2nd. Somebody is being held right now and they are being questioned. The day of the fire and had actually appeared in court for the first time on the 4th, the Tuesday on which the second flare-up was being handled by firefighters. 
Mafia now faces charges of housebreaking, theft and arson and even further charges under the National Key Point Act. When Mafia first appeared in court, he looked utterly bewildered. His clothes were old and worn. He climbed the stairs very slowly and looked around the huddle of hungry journalists and photographers as if in slow motion. He turned on the spot and looked at each of them in turn. Beyond the strange timing, South Africans had other reasons for being suspicious of a swift arrest. Instead of getting into trouble by explaining the mood of South African citizens myself, I'm going to let Chester Missing, a puppet, a social commentator, and a quirky political analyst explain it with a clip from a video that he recently posted on Twitter. They've already caught a suspect in the parliament fire. Hey, If you steal escort, they'll never arrest you. If you steal SARS, they'll never arrest you. But if you're a homeless guy and you sleep outside parliament, you're going to jail. That's just a fact. I mean, listen, man, why has he got to be arrested? It's not like they don't know that Marcus Joester did Steinhoff. It's not like they don't know that Eismachot Schule treated the entire free state like a slush fund. When, when they're going to get arrested? When's Ace Makhashule going to get arrested? Never, 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 never. In South Africa, they only arrest you if you're poor and black. We're going to have to run parliament from Nkandla now, because at least we know Nkandla has got a fire pool unlike parliament. Because let's be honest, based on what Zondo is saying, parliament's been running from Nkandla for years. It may be jaded to say so, but the truth is South Africans are not used to a problem arising and being handled so swiftly. As a result, this narrative of mafia being held as a convenient scapegoat began to spread. Encouraged, of course, by mafia's lawyer, Levuyo Godla, who after mafia's first appearance gave an impassioned statement to the press. What interest would that poor man have in parliament? banning parliament how would that person get access to parliament to start with and how would he know where to go in parliament and ban it's it's clearly a scapegoat we have a scapegoat here in front of ourselves this chap denies i i said this is the failure of executive and legislature not that poor person that poor person is just like ourselves surely where you are you don't know how to enter parliament and what are the key points where to ban which floor which door but mafia was arrested and moreover he's actually facing charges there must have been some reason why there must have been some form of initial evidence right Western Cape NPA spokesperson Eric Ntabazalila explains exactly what Mafe has been charged with. Uh, we can confirm as the state that Zalila, uh, Christmas Mafe, 49 years old from Kailicha, appeared at the Cape Town Magistrates Court this morning in connection with the fire that took place at, uh, in Parliament over uh, the weekend. He's facing five charges currently. Uh, those charges include housebreaking with intent to steal and theft, uh, two counts of arson, uh, possession of an explosive device, and destruction of in in essential infrastructure. The case has been postponed to the 11th of uh, January for the state uh, the investigators 
to confirm certain information, especially bail information, which includes uh, the residential address of the accused, uh, whether he's got assets, and so on and so forth. According to Ntaba Zalila, Mafe was also charged with possession of an explosive device. The state also alleged Mafe stole laptops, crockery, and documents from Parliament. Apparently, an ANC t-shirt, political reports from a 1980s newspaper, and a placard demanding the release of Chris Harney's killer, Yanis Vallis, were also supposedly found in Mafia's shack. This, according to a street committee member in Kaya who says that he was present when the shack was searched this week. But Mafia's lawyer, Gottler, holds that the story just doesn't make sense. Yesterday you said that although he was found in Parliament that evening, he, he was placed there and that he is... No, in fact, I don't say even if he was found, even though he was found. I said even if we are to say he was at some stage found within precinct of Parliament, still we do not know the circumstances that led him to be there. He could have been taken by the police. For now, we don't want to venture into that because it goes to merits of the case and we are not discussing merits of the case. He was arrested by members of the police, which is, we won't say for now, where he was arrested by members of the police. But where what we will say is that he is not the person. And, and if I can even further elaborate to that and just uh, invite you to this lane of reasoning. Someone uh, from Kailicha, ordinary person from Kailicha, how would he have known that? Let me go to Cape Town because at this particular time there won't be any members from security cluster starting from the gate even inside. And if you go to Parliament, when you go to the gate, those people can depict even a snake, those cameras creeping under uh, the gate. They will be able to see it. And it's 24-7. Going inside now the building, those buildings are fitted with sophisticated security measures. You get cameras, there are smoke detectors, there are sprinklers, and, 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 and uh, everything. So for him to go inside, deactivate the alarm, deactivate the cameras, switch to off sprinklers, and start a fire, at a very crucial point where important information is contained. It's, it's something far-fetched. You, 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 you can't say how did he do. And, 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 and uh, further than that, we hear as well that there were laptops, uh, computers, and many other more gadgets. But this chap did not have interest of taking those uh, items which he could have used to convert into cash, which we believe this is what he want, and be interested instead to go to a ream of papers and, and, and ban them. It's, 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 it, it does not make sense. It, 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 clearly, someone is a culprit, not this one. This chap is just a scapegoat. 
he does not have any interest it, and it does not need any legal mind to formulate that it's clear he does not have any interest in those documents if he had any intention to commit a crime of housebreaking trespass stealing surely that person would simply go to a place where he would get bread, he would get clothes in order to satisfy his needs, not to ban documents of the parliament, which he does not even have insight into those documents, what they contain. And, and, and they, they say there were as well some explosive within, a, a, or rather inside the house, and I do not know how, why would they say that? Because in court, their submission was that they could not access the scene due to safety reasons. How could they have picked up that there were some explosives as well? Where were those explosives? Because that person was just lying there, doing absolutely nothing. And if it was after the fire, where would he get as well uh, such a uh, calmness of just lying there relaxing when uh, the parliament is burning, when everybody is running around, where were the police? There is a lot that does not uh, link quite correctly here, and it leaves a lot to be desired. And uh, they say he stole uh, computers, laptops, but when they found him, when they comprehend, uh, arrested him, he didn't have anything in his possession that would link him to that uh, crime they're accusing him of. It's confusing at the moment, and lawyers are paid to be convincing. But what's more compelling to us is that none of the official investigation documents, either from firefighters, police, or from parliament, have actually officially labelled this an arson as of yet. Presumably because that sort of thing requires some time to look into and to prove. What has been brought up several times, though, is the fact that the parliamentary precinct as a whole was in contravention of several community fire safety and national building regulation bylaws. In other words, fire detectors were not online, fire phones were not working and required maintenance, the sprinklers didn't go off, the power to the building did not cut out the way it was supposed to and instead the whole block needed to be forcibly cut, fire hoses did not have their service stickers on and so on and so on and so on. It has also come out that parliamentary officials were warned four years ago that the health and safety management systems were almost non-existent. So all of this is to say that it's possible that the fire started accidentally and raged because the measures that should have been in place to thwart it were just insufficient. But the South African public is also worried about darker possibilities. You see, in the past seven months, the country's kind of been engulfed in a cloud of security concerns, including a six-day period of violent unrest last July, in which 300 people died and countless people lost their businesses and livelihoods. Cabinet ministers being held hostage, Parliament now catching fire, and an attack on the Constitutional Court building by a man brandishing a hammer. 
The South African Communist Party has voiced its opinion that the fire may be linked to a counter-revolution and may, they believe, be connected to last July's violent unrest. Or at least, that's what the Communist Party's General Secretary, Dr. Bladen Zamande, seems to think. We have our own suspicions as the SACP that this thing of burning a parliament is not unconnected to the counter-revolution that was waged in July last year. It's not unconnected to that. On the day the acting Chief Justice gives a report on state capture to the President, someone is vandalizing the Constitutional Court. It's not an accident. We are suspicious that this thing is planned. The Speaker of the National Assembly, Mapisa Nakula, says she just doesn't know if there is a link. I don't know. I don't know. And I wish I knew. But I need, you know, when these sorts of things happen, you sit down, you do an analysis. There's nothing which is as dangerous as coming out with a conclusion which is not informed by a proper analysis by those who are trained to do so. There are people who are specializing and they are trained to do some of these things, to do this kind of analysis. And they must advise. These are the people who must advise and tell us that if you look, the trends are as follows. And if you connect the dots, it's equal to that. What we do know is that parliamentary security guards were not on duty when the fire broke out because of cost-cutting. The National Education, Health and Allied Workers Union, commonly known as Nihau, had this to say in an online interview with broadcaster ENCA. So it was for the first time this year that our members were told that on weekends and public holidays they are not going to, to work. We stand by that statement, Braden, because we've got evidence, we've got documentary evidence to that effect. Uh, we've got shift allocation of our, of our members who are working over December. None of them, according to the shift allocation uh, uh, roster, were on duty on the 16th, on the 25th, on the 26th, uh, on the 1st, as well as the 2nd, which was on a, on a Sunday, the, 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 the day what the minister uh, of public wealth called the fateful evening, the fateful day. But did a nefarious entity actually know that? Or was it just a coincidence? Similarly, is it a coincidence that as we were finishing up this episode, a press release came in from Parliament stating that President Ramaphosa has authorised the deployment of 2,700 members of the South African Defence Force for, and I quote, service in cooperation with the South African Police Service in the prevention and combating of crime and preservation of law and order within the country. The expected expenditure to be incurred for this employment amounts to, and I admit that I had to Google the pronunciation of this, 233,296,240 rand. So there you have it. In this week's episode, we don't have any answers for you, but simply more and more questions. 
Was the fire set on purpose? Was it done by an unattached individual like Mafe or part of a larger plan? Could it have all simply been an accident? We honestly do not know. And while we are sure each of you are bubbling over with theories, personally, we plan to hold out a little longer until some of the forensic reports come back from the scene of the alleged, suspected, or believed crime. For Boots on the Ground, behind South Africa's national headlines, I've been your host, Paige Muller. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices, and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Petersmith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.